welcome to the On the Farm Pitcher List podcast about all things prospect, dynasty, and minor league related. Today, we have a really cool episode. We are joined by Astros pitching prospect Trey Dombrowski. Trey won the Astros pitching prospect of the year from MLB Pipeline and led not only the Carolina League in strikeouts uh, in 2023, but all of low A. And he set the strikeout record for the Fayetteville Woodpeckers with 148 on the year. So we're going to really just take advantage of, of Trey's um, you know, knowledge and experience in the game, asking him what it's like preparing to pitch and, and you know, really building an arsenal and everything like that. So this is going to be so much fun. Rick and I are absolutely pumped. Um, but Trey, thank you so much for, for coming on the show, being available today to, to chat with us. You know, how you, how you doing, man? Yeah, no, I first want to say thank you guys for, uh, for getting this together and allowing me to come on. But, um, you know, I'm great. You know, it's another day, another beautiful day in West Palm beach, Florida. So it's, uh, it's baseball season and, and I'm very excited. Uh, absolutely. There aren't much better, uh, many places better to be, I think in, uh, the end of February than West Palm beach, Florida. That's a pretty nice oh, yeah, place to hang definitely. out. Mm-hmm. I would safe to say it's a beautiful spot to hang out. Yeah, absolutely, man. That's awesome. Rick, how's it going today? I'm doing pretty good, man. And I know for a fact, you know, as a former New Jersey native, Trey is thrilled to be out of the cold. That's definitely <laughs> a, a great place to be around baseball. Yeah, that's safe to say, you know, coming down here and it being warm, it's it's very nice. It's, uh, it's definitely a change of pace, so. For sure. Yeah, I think they still have some snow up there from like a week or so ago, so. Yeah, you're living mm-hmm. it up. Yeah, there's yeah. still there's still snow on the ground in Rhode Island. It's making its way off the streets, but still there, you know. So slowly but surely. Yeah, you know it is what it is. We're we're rounding the corner. We're on our way out of it, and uh, baseball is also right around the corner. Um, so we're gonna ca- talk about really all the prep that goes into the season, um, and just kind of get to know Trey a little bit more. Um, so that's kind of what we want to start with. We want to just like hear more about Trey, kind of about his you know experiences and. Um, and then really get into kind of like the the nuts and bolts of of his arsenal and approach and things like that. So first, of course, the the most important pre- uh, question, right, is just how did this all get started? You know, how did you first get into baseball? Uh, you know, growing up, it was your team. Kind of how did that how did that happen? How did you really get in, into the the game originally? Yeah, so it's funny. Growing up, I uh, actually played every sport. My parents, you know, let me play all the sports and. Some kind of weeded themselves out. Um, I actually come from like a, a basketball family. My grandfather played in the NBA, so usually people would assume that I'm a basketball player. But, uh, you know, I played basketball all throughout high school, and I played baseball all throughout high school. And, you know, as I got older, I uh, realized that I was a better baseball player than I was a basketball player. But uh, the two definitely helped each other because – I just got to go out there and compete, but, um, you know, playing baseball ever since I was a little kid, um, older brother played baseball at Monmouth university with me too. So, you know, just following in his footsteps, my father's footsteps, uh, that's kind of what drew me into the game. And, you know, it's a game that I absolutely love. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome, man. Uh, and that's that's a cool kind of little fact about your your grandfather playing the NBA. Um, and that's you know obviously the athletics runs in the family. It says says on Fangraphs you are six foot five, so I can see why people might think that you are a basketball player first. Uh, but I also am mm-hmm. sure that that comes in handy on the mound as well. Yeah, 
Yeah, and we were kind of talking about it, I think, a little bit before the show as well, um, that you are a Dodgers fan, correct? Correct. Um, growing up, I absolutely loved Clayton Kershaw. Um, that's kind of a guy I'd like to model my game after because, most importantly for me, he's just a model human being. Like, doesn't get in trouble off the field, does all the right things, charity work. He does that ping pong tournament every year. I think it's really cool. Um, so yeah, you know, growing up, I did root for the Dodgers. Um, but yeah, it, Clayton Kershaw really drew me in there. And then my, uh, my grandfather was a Brooklyn Dodgers fan, Los Angeles Dodgers, and then followed through to my dad and then to me and my brother. So that's kind of how it went. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, then, you know, so once you got, uh, you mentioned you, we were at Monmouth with your brother when you were there kind of like how did you develop as like a pitcher in college kind of like what were the things that you worked on kind of how, what did you kind of discover about your process uh through you know competing at that level yeah you know um so my freshman year was kind of like a different experience for me because in high school i wasn't recruited very heavily and i'll be the first one to tell you that my velocity is one thing that kind of helped me back because of that um so I wasn't heavily recruited but uh you know my freshman year at Monmouth I tried to be a pitcher I wasn't I tried to throw as hard as I possibly could every pitch and with that I was sacrificing my command and all my other stuff so basically what I learned at Monmouth was that I got to be able to find out the happy medium between velocity and command and one thing I learned that throughout my years there was what do I got to do to put on the most amount of velocity without putting other stuff at risk um so I really learned what type of pitcher I was and that was a guy who's gonna have to rely on his command and then velocity um obviously velocity is something that has taken the game by storm now I feel like um I feel like what makes me cool is that I'm like a kind of an old school pitcher, but I still feel like I got a, a lot of room in the tank for some extra velo. And right now that's really what I'm working on because I just want to become the best pitcher I can and the velocity is something I'm missing. So I'm just hammering home at that. Right. What is, uh, what does that process look like for you? What are things that you're focusing on and like training and, and development there to kind of hit that goal? Yeah, so one big thing for me is the strength and conditioning side. Um, I'm not the strongest guy out there. Um, so one thing every offseason so far has been to just attack the weights, you know, get after it. Um, our strength coordinator said to us, eat like an adult, sleep like a baby. So that's what I was trying to do and just put on as much good weight as possible, you know. In college, it was kind of like an experiment. What weight did I like to play at? Would I want to be on the heavier side? Would I want to be on the lighter side? So now I've got a pretty good feel for where I need to be, and it all starts in the weight room for me. So the weight room is one of the biggest things that I'm doing right now that's going to help me attack that goal. Yeah, absolutely. So definitely, you know, hearing you talk about Monmouth University your freshman year, Whenever you look over, you know, some of the statistics from that year, you can kind of tell it was a little bit different than the approach that you took in your sophomore and junior year, you know, moving forward. 
And it's just pretty interesting looking at it on paper, obviously, with some of the statistics that you had. You ended up getting your your K per nine jump from a 7.1 as your freshman up to a 10.9. So you really started to find your own at that point, started to pitch to your strengths. And it's 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 so interesting because, you know, you moved through the Cape Cod League, which we'll talk about here in a minute, and then into your you know, junior, your final year there at Monmouth University, once again, your strikeout rate was going well. It looked like you actually had, like, it really dialed in at that point. What was it like in your sophomore and junior seasons, um, you know, in terms of your changing, slightly changing your mechanics or trying to change your approach a little bit there at Monmouth? Yeah, so for me, it was, I wouldn't say it was changing my mechanics. I would definitely say it was catered to the changing my approach. Um, like I said, my freshman year, I was trying to be a pitcher. I wasn't, uh, I was trying to, like I said, throw as hard as I could. And that's just not who I am. I, I can't sacrifice my command, um, because that's, that's who I am. I'm a command pitcher and then the velocity will come. So like I said, I really figured out what type of pitcher I am and that's getting strike one and getting ahead. Oh, two, trying to get to two strikes as quick as possible. And just put myself in a good position to get batters out. And that that's what I just really tried to do was be who I was and not try and be the pitcher I wasn't. Right. Yeah. No, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, and then, you know, really being able to take those, those lessons and, and then start your career in professional baseball. Right. So, you know, um, for the, for the listeners, Trey was drafted by the Houston Astros in the 2022 June amateur draft, uh, round four overall pick 133. And I think it's just, you know, it's really cool. Cause just to provide some context, uh, Monmouth university in its history has had 10 players selected in the MLB draft and three have made the big leagues. So I just wanted to ask, you know, like, how does it feel, to go through that program and join that group of, of draftees and then really have a good shot to, to join um, those who have, who have made the big leagues? Kind of how does that feel for you? Yeah, you know, it feels great. You know, um, it's, it's truly an honor, to be honest, because to be in a group like that, it, it definitely means a lot. And it shows how much kind of hard work and stuff goes into it. But, you know, I just try and keep, pushing and try to become the best person I can and where that just keep going basically is what I try and keep doing. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of, a lot of things ahead, right? Always, always looking to the next, uh, the next goal for sure. And then uh, also I want to ask about the Cape Cod league. We kind of mentioned it briefly a little bit and that's really like, it, you know, seen as like the kind of the premier place for all the like really best uh, college baseball players to kind of go and, um, and just, you know, learn some more skills, just to meet other, other guys and just really have a good, you know, developmental opportunity there. What, what was it like playing in the, the Cape Cod league for you to, you know, travel up there to kind of be with all these guys and programs across the country and, and really some of the best talent to kind of compete at that, uh, at that, uh, league. Yeah. To be honest, it's kind of like an experience that you can't put into words because of how truly remarkable it is. Um, and it's not just because of the atmosphere up there. It's because of the guys around you. Um, it was funny. I actually lived on a farm with six other guys. Love it. So Tom and Ashby, if you're listening, I miss you guys. Thank you for a great experience. Um, 
But yeah, it was truly remarkable because when I got up there, I was only on a temporary contract. So I was only supposed to be up there a week, maybe two weeks, get a couple outings in and then ship it home. Um, but, you know, I just went up there and I was like, you know what? I'm going to be a sponge up there. I'm just going to talk to guys that are at the bigger schools, talk to guys who have the same background as me. Um, so it, it was it was truly unbelievable because that's where I really learned who I was as a pitcher, to be honest. Um, it was just you had to be you and you couldn't try and be the guy that was next to you. And talking to the pitching coach up there and then some of the other guys, that's what they really just told me, you know, especially coming from a smaller school, guys kind of write you off a little bit up there, I feel like. So my thing was I just wanted to go up there and have fun, most importantly, but just go give my best shot and whatever my best shot was, see how it was, and, you know, get back to the drawing board once I was done. Well, I'd say you did pretty darn well going up there, you know, for for just going up there for a short amount of time. I mean, you ended up making four starts up there, six appearances, you know, in the Cape Cod League, and, uh, you know, struck out 45 batters in 31 and two-thirds innings pitch, so that was pretty darn solid, less uh, – Let's see, a point six walks per nine. So, yeah, like I said, that that yeah, that's just that's just who I am. I like I said, I want most importantly, I want to give my team the best shot to win. Um, mm-hmm. At the end of the day, that's what I really care about is is winning. You know, I want to if I go six innings with two earned runs and I come out of the game and we're winning. That that's great, you know. I, that's I just want to put the team in the best best chance to win. Trey, correct me if I'm wrong. You ended up winning a, a pitching award. While correct. You're up there. Yes. You yes, and uh, Brock Wilkin, correct? Brock Wilkin won Player of the Year. Yeah, that was uh, that was actually something that was really cool because I think it was like one of the only times two guys from the same team won the pitcher and the most valuable player. So that was really cool and. It's just a testament to the guys behind me because they were, I mean, they were unbelievable. It was just, it was easy to play up there um, because they were so good and everybody cared about each other and it was just about developing a good relationship with all of them and just going out there and having fun at the end of the day. Yeah, that's that's huge, man. That's huge. And it really, lo- and it really shows when if you look at the numbers, from your time at the Cape Cod League and then going into your junior year, it looks like you really just stepped into a different level from that point. Um, and I think it really kind of catapulted, catapulted you into what junior season you had and then eventually being drafted by the Astros. So Yeah, absolutely. And especially you're playing the best of the best up there. So it really teaches you who you are as a baseball player, like I keep saying. So... You know, it was nothing short of amazing. You know, it was absolutely unreal, and I'm forever thankful for it because it shaped me into not only the pitcher I've become today, but the person I've become today. All right, man. Love to hear that. Love to hear that. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick ad break. We're going to come back, and then we're going to really dive into uh, Trey's pitch mix, kind of talk about his pitches, how they work off each other, kind of how he works on his arsenal and whatnot. So uh, we're going to get into all of that uh, when we come back after this uh, after this break. So stick with us. All right, and we are back, ready to get into 
in-depth talks about the dominant pitch mix that is Trey's featuring as well as organizational philosophy and player development. So the rationale behind this is all to be able to see how Trey works with his pitch mix, how it ends up working and developing as he goes from collegiate to Cape Cod to the pros um, and how he's been able to rack up as many strikeouts as he did last year in low A. So Trey, working with your pitch mix, primarily what you work with is a fa- a forcing fastball, a slider, curveball, and changeup, correct? Correct. Awesome. So kind of what you were talking about earlier with the fastball velocity, you do tend to work in the lower velocity with your pitches, um, but it what you do is you locate very well and you have good movement on your pitches, correct? So with your four-seam fastball, you usually sit between 88 and 92 miles per hour is what I've been kind of seeing in some of your outings with ride up in the zone and it pairs it, it's paired well uh, with pinpoint control. How is your fastball usage uh, changed as you've developed it? Um, when did you realize that it had good vertical break or worked well up in the zone? Yeah. So, you know, um, grow, like this goes back to the velocity piece growing up. I, uh, I was almost scared to use my fastball because I didn't throw hard. Um, so I tend to lean on my breaking balls and, you know, in college, I I didn't have any of the metrics. I didn't have any of the track band numbers, all that type of data. So I didn't really know I had a good fastball. And I kind of leaned on throwing all my breaking balls because I felt comfortable with them and I could land them in the zone. So once I got to the Astros, they really took an in-depth look at how my fastball is and where it plays and stuff. And I was able to learn that, like you said, I never knew I had good vertical break on it. And that was something I learned when I got drafted by the Astros. I learned that my first year. And whereas now most people learn that when they're in high school. So it was something that it did take me a little while to understand that my fastball is good. And with my ability to throw it all over the place, it just helps my other pitchers play off of it. So that's kind of my goal with it is to set other pitches up and to get strike one yeah that's what i was kind of seeing with your approach is that you would end up pinpointing it changing eye levels and then letting your breaking pitches kind of work off of that and i thought it was very interesting as well because usually with some breaking ball pitchers they're working with higher rpms on the breaking pitches to begin with and obviously with the ride you're getting that with your fastball naturally i'm interested because obviously with different organizations they have different philosophies the guardians have a different way of being able to try to develop that they have pitches that work really well for them with the astros organization they love working with spin rates they love working with movement on their pitches more so than overpowering velocity and i thought it was great whenever you were drafted that this was a perfect fit for you whenever i was doing the draft coverage a while back for it i was just like wow i mean this is a this is the right guy mm-hmm. for the right organization to be able to develop that so yeah so that's good that you were able to kind of work a little bit more with them 
uh, post-draft to be able to try to work on that, you know, spin rates and everything. How was that, you know, immediately? Oh, it's, it's just a testament to the Houston Astros, to be honest, because it shows how good they are with developing pitchers, whether they come from small school, big school, high school, it doesn't matter. They just are able to work with what guys got and they're able to to get the best out of people. So that's it's it just shows how great of an organization they are developmentally wise and just in all facets. Yeah. So with the with the vertical kind of break on your fastball, I'm kind of curious like do you you know, I think you know it's it's always different for like what hitters are viewing from like different arm slots, right? Or like um you know, your release point and whatnot. Um, and then we've heard kind of pitchers like Tyler Glass now talked about how when the sticky stuff ban kind of went into effect, he had to throw, he had to grip his fastball a bit different. And so he had to be a little bit tighter with it and like really in the name of like getting that ride, right? So do you think that like, so this was kind of natural for you. You had this fastball, you kind of figured out that it had a good break on it. Like, do, do you think that there's like a, a part of your delivery, your mechanics that kind of allows this to happen? Is that something you, you think about when throwing, trying to kind of keep that right on it? Or is that something that just kind of is free flowing and natural with the way that you throw the ball? Yeah, to be honest, I'm just trying to rip down on the seams as hard as I can, to be honest. Um, because what I found out is that's a good cue for me. So whenever I think, all right, I'm going to pull these laces down as hard as I can, I'm able to put myself and my body in a good position to get that good vertical movement. So it's just something that comes with time, you know. It uh, it definitely comes with a lot of practice. Um and baseball and pitching's so kind of, it's really hard. So sometimes you might be 15 and sometimes you might be 20 inches. And it's just all about getting yourself to figure out, okay, that was a good rep at 20. Okay, that was a bad rep at 15. And finding the differences. And my big thing is the feel of it and figuring out, all right, what can I do on this one to make it good and what what's going to make it bad? Yeah, absolutely. So, Trey, you throw a slider as well. Velocities usually sit between 76, 79, I think, whenever you're really cruising. Um, usually has about a two-plane break. It plays well off the fastball. So you really set up the fastball. You're able to work that slider, you know, out in the way. When you're working with that pitch, uh, you um, – what are your thoughts on the battling like sweeper versus gyro movement to sliders? And uh, where do you think yeah, your slider so falls in that spectrum? I would say I'm more of a sweeper profile to it. Um, it's funny. In college, I would just grip my slider and throw it. I had no clue what it categorized as. I had no clue. It could have been a gyro. could have been a sweeper. I don't even – I don't remember, to be honest. Um so then I got to the Astros and I threw a couple and they were good sweepers. So that's what I've I've moved to. Um and it's a hard pitch to to master, definitely. Um, but it's it's truly a really good pitch because of the horizontal movement, like you said. And especially to lefties, it's it's hard to hit. And just talking to hitters and trying to get a perspective from them, say, all right. After I in at bat with a lefty, go up to him. Oh, what what were you seeing here? What were you seeing there? And 
most of the time, the sweeper is the hardest pitch to hit because sometimes it looks like it's going to hit him in the back and then, boom, it's right in the middle of the zone. So my whole thing with it is early in the count, obviously want to throw for strikes, and then late in the count, try and get a swing or a chase and see where we can go from there. When you're yeah. trying to locate that pitch, like – what are what are you thinking in your head? Like, are you like because you you mentioned that in college you just kind of you know gripped it and ripped it? Like, how how has like your ability to locate the pitch, throw it for strikes, kind of evolved? Like, are you thinking about like you know where you want the ball to end up, where you kind of want the ball to start? Like, how is your kind of um, the the mental process for like locating a, a pitch that breaks that significantly, kind of right where where you want it? Yeah, so it's kind. Of, it was kind of trial and error for me, to be honest. Like you said in the beginning, I was just getting up there and ripping it, and wherever it would go was wherever it would go. Whereas over time, you kind of find places on the batter, say maybe to pick out, or like you said, maybe you're like, all right, I want to land it at a catcher's left knee or in the righty ba- righty's batter's box. I know where I have to look to be able to get that pitch there because. I'm trying to be as consistent as possible with that pitch. So some guys, it's I'll start it at their front hip, whereas some guys, it's, all right, I'll start it right down the middle and let it tail off. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think it's really interesting watching that pitch come through. You know, you really have a good feel for it at this point. It seems like you do. And whenever you were with the Astros, did they did they work with you on your grip? at all whenever you were throwing that that slider absolutely so i've changed grips a couple of times and the one i've got now is it's funny actually the one we started with so like i said it's trial and error to be honest you'll sometimes feel it's getting off your index finger the wrong way or something so at first they gave me a grip didn't work and then it's kind of it's kind of trial and error and one thing I've realized is one grip might work for one guy doesn't mean it's going to work for me. Um, so you re- you really got to boil it down to what works for you. And they helped me get to the grip that was going to allow me to get the ball off my index finger the same time every time. So it was, it was just finding the grip that was going to get me the most consistency. Awesome. Awesome. The uh, next pitch in your repertoire that you do throw is a curveball. Uh, typically, velocities between 73 miles per hour and 75. Uh, usually has a deep break uh, thrown early and counts as what it kind of looks like you've been able to do to this point. Uh, do you think that you'll be able to continue to steal strikes with this pitch as you move through the minor leagues? Absolutely, and... Just being able to play all the other pitches off of each other is what's really going to help that. So I try not to be one-dimensional, you know. I try not to get, say, I call pitch happy, try and throw a curveball every single time, every single time, first pitch, because then batters are going to get up there and say, all right, he's throwing a curveball the first pitch to pass five batters. It's probably coming again. So whether it be stealing strikes early or putting guys away, you know, it's – one thing I've learned is that you have to be very cerebral in what you're doing. So you got to be able to pick and choose when you throw stuff and what's the right count to throw something, what's not the right count, when have you had success with it, when haven't you had success with it. So 
like I said before, it's kind of trial and error, but I do think that me being able to land it in the zone early gives myself a benefit and allows me to open up the plate to so many different pitches that I can use. With those, with your slider and your curveball, you know, they're, they're similar in velocity, obviously very different break, you know, with the slider kind of sweeping across curveball with, you know, more, more depth, more downward movement. How do you like, um, approach choosing one or the other to throw in like certain counts? Is it like certain batters maybe that you would kind of focus more or like righties or lefties that you would focus more on one or the other? Like how do you kind of differentiate between which one of those you want to use, uh, in an at bat? Yeah, you know, it all really comes down to what you and the catcher are feeling that day. Um, pitching's such a feel thing for me that you could go out there one day and you're like, oh, the curveball's not feeling good at all. So then you go more to the slider, and then the next outing you might say, ooh, curveball's not feeling good, I'll go to the slider, you know? And that could even be, all right, slider and curveball both aren't working. All right, maybe we're going to have to play my fastball more or use my fastball more. So it's really, to be honest, the relationship you develop with the catcher and talking and explaining, all right, this pitch isn't working, this pitch is working, um, and finding what works for you. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that that works off pretty well. The last pitch that you do throw here is a uh, changeup. Uh, velocity between 81 84 has a slight tumble and fade to it. Uh, what is the importance of the velocity uh, bands in the arsenal? Seems to be uh, three clear uh, bands with uh, the changeup sitting in the middle in terms of velocity. Yeah, you know, that's actually a pitch I just learned when I got to the Astros. Um, and I feel that's one of my better pitches now. Uh, my whole thing is that I want to play it off my fastball, and it's I've gotten a lot better with being able to play it off of each other, but like you said, half the time, it's just the velocity difference for the hitter because, say, if a hitter is geared up for 92 and you throw that changeup in there at 84 that looks the same, you can get some pretty ugly swings on it. So my whole thing is get it in the zone, you know, just just challenge, challenge hitters and make them hit it. So that's that's what I try my best to do is play pitches off of each other and use those velocity differences to keep them off balance. Just curious, like when the when the Astros did the Astros kind of come to you and say like, hey, we think that your arsenal would benefit from this change up because you know being able to change velocities, you know, in kind of adding that extra dimension to your repertoire. Like, how did that uh, process happen to to add that pitch? Yeah, absolutely. It never hurts to add another pitch because, like me in college, it was fastball, curveball, slider. So, as a hitter. I would much rather face three pitches and four. So it was just talking with them and seeing what pitch fit me, you know, what fit my type, what fit my arm slot, what, uh, what fit my repertoire. And that was kind of the pitch that fit perfectly. And it's really helped me, you know, change speeds much easier. Yeah. It looked like it was really coming together there towards the end of the season. You're really hitting your stride there with it, and especially playing off the different velocities and the movements of the breaking pitches too. Looked like it really worked well 
for you there. Absolutely. With so many pitches to choose from, uh, to utilize and, and master, uh, with each uh, myriad of possible movement profiles, how do you build your arsenal and tailor it to the best work for your delivery and your approach? So basically for me, with my arsenal, I'm trying to think, say if it was a 3-2 count, what pitch would I want to throw? And I want to be able to say to myself, I can throw all four of my pitches in a 3-2 count. Um, so my whole thing is getting the confidence and being comfortable with all my pitches in all counts because, say, if you go down 2-1 in the game now, if you throw a fastball right down the middle, it's most likely going to be a home run. So my whole thing is just being able to throw all those pitches in all counts and just being able to challenge and compete and – get strikes, throw strikes all the time. Yeah. How much do you work? Um, how much do you think about like tunneling pitches in an at bat, you know, like throwing like fastball outside corner, following with like the sweeper into a righty, you know, like, is that something that you're thinking about kind of based on situation or is like, how do your pitches kind of like work off of each other to kind of, you know, look like the one thing and kind of turn into something else on, on the mound there? Yeah, so it's funny. Actually, in college, our pitching coach would call the pitches, so I really never had to – not that I didn't have to think for myself, but he was the one calling the pitches, so I wasn't the one in control. Whereas now, it's up to you and the catcher. So one thing I've learned is that I've got to be able to understand, okay, say I went fastball, oh, well, to a guy first at bat. Do I want to go back to it? Do I not want to go back to it? So just being able to pick up on at-bats and, like I said before, not try and get pitch happy. You don't want to – unless a guy's really not – doesn't have a chance against a certain pitch, obviously you'll keep going to it. But, you know, just like I said before, try and keep them off balance as best as you can. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, honestly, playing into this – Next area that we're going to be talking about, and we've touched on it here and there throughout this episode so far, but the command and control, this is really where you, you know, succeed so much. So to this point in your career and going forward, this is still a major focus for you in the counter, you know, the counter of high velocity and everything you are focusing more so on your command and control and it shows I think with your sequencing, you're able to rack up the strikeouts in these outings. Can you tell us about your mindset and your approach on the mound, obviously, with working with your sequencing and uh, how you're feeling on those specific days, I suppose? Yeah, no, definitely. So my approach is just be the best pitcher I can. You know, like I said before, and you said, it's a high-velocity game now. Everyone's kind of oh, I'm trying to hit 100, I'm trying to do this, I'm trying to do that. Whereas me, that's just not who I am. And maybe one day I will become that guy and I'm trying my best to become that guy who throws hard. Um, but, you know, just trying to stay who I am, you know? Don't try and do anything I can't and do try not to do anything that I usually don't do. Um, so, yeah, my approach is just to go out there and throw strike one. You know, throw strike one and let's get back in the dugout, gives the guys a chance to hit and score some runs and then go back out there and put up another zero. Good deal, man. 
The um, Astros as an organization, we touched on this a little bit before, very good fit uh, being drafted there. They do this all the time, developing college pitchers and getting the most out of them as they ascend through the organization. Uh, what is something you've been able to improve upon or add to your game in your first season with help of the Astros pitching development? I know you were talking a little bit about adding in the changeup, um, as well as working a little bit with your fastball with rise and whatnot. Is there anything else that you've kind of worked on this past year with the success you had in low A? Yeah. So my whole thing is we want to work on my velocity. So it might not be pitching specific as per se, but my whole thing is to get in the weight room and develop good habits with my mechanics. So am I getting my self into good positions going down the mound and using cer certain drills and tools that get myself into really good positions has been something that I've been able to pick up on is what's going to work for me and what isn't going to work for me and just being able to find stuff that works for me you know um added a lot of different stuff in we started using the water bag um some straps and some bands like core velocity belt type things um that I've never used in the past that I use now and have helped me just been able to repeat my mechanics as best as I can and as consistent as possible and just curious who uh who are you working with kind of in the off season like is it primarily with you know your your coaches or your you know training staff from like from Loway with as the the Astros organization of like a facility like it's kind of been a big topic like where guys go in the off season some guys are going to tread or mm -hmm. driveline right like so where where do you go yeah, kind of so who do you work with I train local to me um his name's CJ Appenzeller and along with the Astros you know the Astros give us everything we need and that's at the end of the day what what you want out of an organization is to put your development first and I have nothing but absolutely amazing things to say about the Astros and how much they care about us personally and all the tools and resources they give us to be able to reach the major leagues and that's the ultimate goal man that's awesome that's awesome. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about Trey's first professional season. All right, we're back, and uh, we're going to dive into to Trey's really fantastic first season at, at Low A Fayetteville with the, the Astros organization here. Uh, just want to take a deeper look at the numbers and, and just talking about uh, any adjustments that were kind of made on the fly and, and really a long minor league season. So kind of like how did how did Trey kind of navigate that in, in his first, uh, his first season here? So you know, overall, first off, uh, Trey, how would you describe your, your first season in professional baseball? You know, to be honest, it was nothing short of amazing. Um, being able to go out there with the guys in Fayetteville and just going out there and being able to play six out of the seven days a week is what's truly amazing. Um, in college, you know, it's it's tough sometimes you throw on Friday night and you got to wait a week to go back out there, which during the week, sometimes it, eat, it eats at you because you're trying to work on so many different things where in professional baseball, you throw on a Tuesday, go get them again on Sunday. So it's absolutely, it, it's something that I really like because I like pitching as much as I can, you know, as I try and do as much as I can, obviously to keep myself healthy. 
but uh, it was it was really nothing short of amazing. Yeah, how was it pitching in Fayetteville? Uh, it it was it was very good. I, I enjoyed it a ton, actually. You know, um, working with the catchers, they they really helped me understand. You know, like like we touched on before, what pitches do I want to throw in certain counts? And talking with my pitching coaches too, just being able to understand and pick up on certain things throughout the game that are going to help me get to the next level. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you mentioned you're like really working to kind of stay healthy throughout the season. Uh, obviously, arm health is like a huge topic in baseball. You know, with so many arm surgeries and everything, like it's just it's it's always kind of a balancing act for for pitchers. So how how do you kind of like really prepare yourself, prepare your body, stay healthy, and and really kind of take care of your arm? Yeah, you know, this is this is my job, so and I'm working seven days a week. So that's not only at the facility or at the field that's when you get back to say the hotel or your apartment are you eating the right things are you drinking are you staying hydrated so that's one thing for me that I learned a lot last year is what do I have to do to put myself in the best position to succeed and being able to understand that it is a 24-7 job you know am I prioritizing my sleep so one thing I like to do is I like to sleep, I try and get at least 10 hours of sleep a night. That's check check number one off, off the list. Um, obviously, then hydrating and stuff and meeting with the dietitians to see, okay, is this good for me? Is this bad for me? Should I eat this before bed? Should I eat this when I wake up? And just, you know, staying on top of things so it doesn't come back to, you know, hurt me at the end. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's that's good to you know stay on top of and, and keep up with. And uh, also curious uh, in your first season, how was the how the competition kind of compared to what you had uh, faced previously? And you know, um, in college in the Cape Cod League, like what was what kind of changed about your 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 competition level? You know, how you attacked hitters there in in low A. You know, it makes you realize how good hitters are. You know. It, uh, it does make you really realize that. And one thing I realized personally was that guys are just way more disciplined. You're not going to, you know, get swings on certain pitches anymore. And if you leave a pitch over the middle of the plate, instead of it being a single in college, it's probably going to be a home run now. So it's just, and that goes back to being who I am, you know, being able to throw pitches off of each other and do certain stuff. Um, just trying to put myself in the best position to get strike one and keep throwing strikes and keep going out there and putting up zeros. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. Um, that's, I think that's something that will, that you kind of definitely see going throughout the Myers. And when we've heard kind of people talk about it, is that just that, that constant changing and like, um, in, in hitter, in hitter plate, uh, discipline, you know, like just how many chases you can get. And, and it's just so different. I feel like even I'm sure you'll experience it from low A to double A, you know, there's just these, these guys are so good and it's so competitive that, I mean, it's just like, I cannot imagine personally, um, you know, facing some of these guys. And so, you know, I think that's interesting to kind of building off the changes that you made your arsenal and how you were working with like commanding your arsenal and everything like that. Like, you have to kind of keep really 
um, innovating and kind of working on your, your craft, I think, to kind of really keep up with it. So um, there's a lot that I think goes into that. And then even just with the difference between like starting and relieving, I think, is like a very different mindset, very different approach. And so I wanted to ask about that, too. Um, so I was looking and, and of your, your 26 appearances last year at low A. 15 were as a starter and it looked like you were pretty much throughout the year just kind of switching back and forth between starting a game and coming in but like the the innings their batters faced were, were pretty consistent you'd still be going like you know four innings and like a relief appearance um but like just wanted to know how was it switching between starting a game coming in from the bullpen like what did that do to like your, your mental approach like how was that uh, experience for you you know, it was at first definitely difficult because it was something I've never done. Um, I've always been a starter, so it was something I've never done, but I absolutely loved it, you know, because it, it challenged me to do something that I haven't done before. And like you said before, it taught me, okay, if I'm starting, what's my routine? If I'm relieving, what's my routine? And what I learned is that I like to write everything down now. So 705 game, what am I doing leading up? When am I starting my routine? When am I ending it? When am I going out to the field? And then on the opposite, trying to figure out when you're relieving, okay, what do I have to do before the game to get myself ready in the bullpen to to be ready to go once once you get out there? Did you have a good idea of like when uh, when in the games that you were going to come in as a reliever, did you know like you'd be in the game that day or was there any kind of like yeah, uh, unsure? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I would know. And just talking to some of the other guys and figuring out what works for them, what doesn't work for them. So it's kind of it's kind of a guess and check game and figuring out what works and what doesn't. We've seen some organizations do this. The Astros in as a whole does this a lot with their starting pitchers where they will run them out as, you know, in relief outings and stuff like that. Um, and from what we've seen over the past, it's usually a quick way to be able to move, you know, you guys through the system a little bit quicker. And also with the Astros, they've been in contention for most of the last decade. So whenever they need those fresh arms out of the minor leagues, they're usually right there ready to go. So I think in a way, maybe it's somewhat philosophy-based. I'd, I'd be curious to, to hear what you think, being in the organization. Is it something that is philosophy with the Astros, you know, moving forward, you think? Yeah, and I think, I think it allows you to be ready for whatever they need. Um, like you said before, say they call you up and they need you to be a reliever. It's not something you haven't done before. So I think it's something that they do that is going to put you in the best position to succeed in the big leagues. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. Um, is there any kind of difference, like like if you're coming into a game uh, as a reliever, how much do you kind of pay attention to like where the game is is at at that point? Like or if, you're, if you're down a few runs, if you're holding a lead, like does that change your approach at all? Or are you just really kind of like working on that, just getting used to kind of coming out of the bullpen and, and being in the game like that? Does, how is that kind of running through your head in that, in that instance? Yeah, to be honest, like I said before, I'm just trying to go out there and put up a zero. So say if we're, we're up in the game, okay, let's let's keep the lead. Let's not let this team get any closer. And say if we're down, okay, let's not go down anymore. So my whole thing, it, 
it doesn't really change that much. My whole thing is, all right, let's go out there. Let's put up zeros and let's give this team a chance to win and let's let's go win. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, being someone who has been, who was so successful last year in, in getting strikeouts, um, to, I think to lead a league in strikeouts, you have to have, find success against so many different teams, so many different hitters with different approaches, with different skill levels and everything. There's so much consistency that goes into that. But, you know, I'm curious if, like, was your, your sequencing, your plan of attack, something that you adjusted, like, in the game, kind of on the fly, like you said, like, with working with the catcher, how you feel that day? Or was there usually kind of, like, a consistent plan of attack going into each appearance, um, you know, kind of week by week? Yeah, you know, it, it's always changing. Um, like I said before, some games you feel great with one pitch and you don't feel great with another, so... It's being able to make adjustments from pitch to pitch, not inning to inning. So that that's one thing I really picked up on is find what works and keep going and keep attacking. Yeah. So, Trey, I want to ask you this here. Uh, we, we've touched a lot with the command and the control and limiting the walks and everything along that line from the college standpoint, you know, through the Cape Cod League. When you did get to the lower minor leagues here, low A, how you did a fantastic job, once again, limiting the walks. 2.7 walks per nine last year in low A Fayetteville. When you got into professional ball here, how did you attack these, these hitters differently than what you did previously in college and in the Cape Cod League? And how how did your pinpoint control really kind of you know center around being able to limit those walks? Obviously, it's a very difficult thing that you do. It it cannot be said enough how hard it is. Yeah, so that's like I said, that's that's just who I am as a pitcher is limiting the walks. And when I give free passes, it it eats at me. You know, it's something that I absolutely despise. I hate walking people. So. Just being able to, you know, like I said before, get strike one, and then once you get strike one, go and get strike two. And then after that, put them away. And one thing, this, is, this kind of goes into the analytics, the batting average for when a guy's 2-0 and 0-2 is a drastic difference, a drastic difference. So it's just being able to kind of play the numbers a little bit and then – just go out there and put yourself in a great position to succeed. How much do, um, you know, those, those analytics looking at, you know, count data, looking at, you know, maybe hitter tendencies, when, how does that kind of play into your game plan? Uh, your, your plan going, you know, going in. Yeah. You know, it plays a huge part. It's just, you use the numbers to help you get to a point where you want to be. And like I said before, if you look at the batting average in an 0-2 count, it's maybe, I want to say, less than 150, maybe 170. Um, so you're, you're, you're playing the numbers, like I said. And it's just, you want to put yourself in the best position to succeed. And the best position to succeed is throwing strikes. So that's something that I've just always done is get strike one, get strike two, and then put them away. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, all right, so we are going to take a quick ad break again, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to dive into, um, you know, kind of prepping for, for 2024. It is obviously spring. Spring training is happening right now. Everyone's kind of getting ready, gearing up for the season, so we're going to kind of talk about what that looks like for Trey uh, and how, how that's uh, coming along. So we'll be right back. All right, we are back, and uh, we're going to finish this up by by talking, uh, looking to look forward now to 2024 um, as everyone's kind of getting getting ready for the baseball season, uh, really kind of gearing up for that, uh, really just around the corner. So we're going to kind of talk about um, his offseason and, and how Trey kind of got got better and how he's kind of planning to have that same kind of level of, of success that, that we saw in 2023. So uh, you mentioned velocity was like a big thing that you've been working on uh, in the offseason and kind of that, that training program. Um, but is there um, anything else that you're really working on for 2024? Maybe something you'd like to like do differently, maybe a pitch you'd like to use more, anything like that that you're kind of like prepping for uh, as you're getting ready for the season? Yeah, so like you touched on, one of the big things I've been working on is the velocity, but the Another big thing is movement on my pitches, um, trying to maximize the amount of movement I get and trying to make each pitch the best pitch it possibly can be. So whether that be my fastball, trying to get the vertical breakup, whether that be my slider, trying to get the horizontal movement. Um, so, you know, it, it's kind of ever evolving, you know, it's, there's always something to get better at. And that's the beauty of pitching in my eyes is that, Say Jacob Degrom, he's the best pitcher. He's still got a long way to go. He can still fix a ton of different things. So that's what I think's the beauty in pitching is there's always an extra step. There's always one more thing to work on. There's always something to fix. There's always something to, to get better at. And that's truly what I absolutely love about pitching is you can always there's always more. In your like in in your dream scenario. Uh, looking at kind of how your career is going to play out. Yeah, even in, in, in short term as 2024, you know, long term as kind of looking back on your career, like what kind of pitcher do you want to be um, throughout your career? Like how do you want to approach, you know, really the, the art of pitching? Like you said, there's always changes to make. Like what kind of pitcher do you, do you want to be? I want to be a guy that, you know, gave his team the best chance to win, to be honest. I want to be a winner. Um and, you know, like I said before, I'm I'm a guy that, you know, relies on his command. So I want to be a guy that goes out there for six innings in a playoff start in a World Series game. I want to be the guy that guys want out there out on the mound. And, you know, I just want to be the guy that guys have confidence in me and just going out there every time and being able to give the team the best chance to win. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think uh, I think you definitely have, uh, you know, the kind of mindset for it. I love to hear that there's always a lot of, you know, improvement, everything happening. Um, and, and then just curious, too, with all the work that you've been doing with with uh, with your training, strength training and everything like that. Have you started to see any like gains in that process? Have you started to see any kind of uptick in velocity? Like what um, where do you think you're at in that process and that journey to kind of add um, a bit of, of velo to your fastball? Yeah, you know, I actually, since college, have definitely gained a lot of velocity, and that's just a testament to all the trainers and stuff around me and being able to, you know, write a program for me that's going to help me succeed. And, you know, I have gained some velocity, 
but you know, I, I don't, I, I don't ever want to stop. I want to keep going for, for the next number, whether that be 95, whether that be 97, I want to, you know, I want to go for it all, you know, aim for the stars and just keep, keep going for it. And, you know, put myself in the best position to, to get to the big leagues and make myself a winner. Has the, um, Astros worked with you at all about, you know, either, or have you worked in the past with either like a two seam or a cutter type with your uh, four seam fastball, or are you just strictly sticking with the four seam? No, just strictly sticking with the uh, four seam. But like I said about pitching, it's ever evolving. So I'd imagine somewhere down the road, maybe there is a sinker, maybe there is a cutter. Um, whenever that time comes, it'll come, but you know, it's something that is in the future. So I, I look forward to becoming the best pitcher I can. And, you know, if that is adding one of those pitches, it is, if it's not adding one of those pitches, then, uh, so be it. I'll just have to be the best pitcher I can. So it's, it's something that I'm looking forward to. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. Um, and then I got to ask, do you do you know where you're going to be to start the season? Ha- or if you don't, kind of usually, uh, do you know when you might find out? Or what are you kind of preparing for there uh, mentally to 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 be at uh, to start this year? Yeah, they haven't told us where we're going to start. And wherever they put me is wherever they put me. I'm going to, you know, put my best foot forward and, you know, give my best shot and at the end of the day make the Astros happy for uh that they drafted me so just give myself the best shot to make the make the big league team what I was saying to Trey before we got on here was I'm really hoping for selfish reasons that you go to uh Asheville to start the year only to start the year Trey you could you could do a month there just come visit Greensboro <laughs> Hang out, hang out with the Hawk for a little bit, and we'll get talk some more pitching. I want to see you live before you get on up to uh, or go down to Corpus Christi, because uh, I'm I'm telling you, with the way that you were pitching last year down in Fayetteville, and I kick myself for not getting down there in time to be able to see you in person. Uh, I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited to see you this upcoming season. Yeah, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. All right, and then of course, uh, really the the kind of encapsulating question here: when you're looking at your season for 2024, uh, do you have any goals um, for this season? You know, things that you really want to accomplish that you think would be, you know, considering consider it a a successful year for you. Yeah, so you know, to be honest, I wanna I wanna have 10 wins. I think that this past year I had, I want to say nine, maybe maybe less than that. Um, I, I, I want a ton of wins this year because that means I was giving my team the best shot to win. And then I want to throw, I threw 120 innings this year. Um, I'd like to throw at least 150 because, you know, in the big leagues, it's 162 games. So that's probably going to call for at least 200 innings. And obviously for, health and safety not for health reasons you you don't want to go from 120 to 200 um if it calls for that it calls for that um but i think an ideal number is 150 because i did 120 last year so i i'd like to 
get more innings and, you know, figure out who I am and keep, keep evolving. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, that'll, that'll be pretty good to see, you know, you ended up finishing with seven wins, so I think you could do it. I believe in you, Trey. You can do it. And you got yeah, we one should make save, it, We apparently. should make it 14. We should make it 14 Yeah, wins. there you go. Double it. We'll Did double it. That? Go big or go home. You yeah. heard it here. You heard it here first. 14 we'll wins. double it. There you go. And, uh, and Trey, can you get can you give a, uh, another save? I think you got one save last year as well. Yeah, we'll do 14 wins and two saves. I'm with it. There you go. Yeah. Love to hear it, man. That's awesome. Well, again, thanks so much for for being available. You know, in the middle of your off season training program, you know, down in, in in Palm Beach, and really kind of prepping for the year to to take the time to come on and, and just talk pitching. It's so good to hear. Like we can watch the games. You know, we can watch how pitches move. We could watch how players uh, pitchers approach. You know, pitching and from this outsider's perspective. So it is so valuable, so cool to hear how you actually go about your craft and um, everything that goes into that to really. See See this the success level and and how the Astros organization has has really helped through this process. So this is just so such valuable information for for baseball fans, you know, really everywhere. So really appreciate you uh, making yourself available. And obviously, we wish you a, the best of luck this upcoming season. We'll be following along for sure. Hopefully, Rick will get to see you in person, and we'll be able to uh, come back to the podcast and kind of give the breakdown and whatnot. But we'll be rooting for you, man. And uh, yeah, appreciate the time. No, thank you guys. I appreciate you guys setting this up and it was great talking to you guys. And, you know, I hope I shared a bit of my story and, you know, let you guys in on a little bit of what I think and what I can do to become the best person I can, best pitcher. Awesome, man. That's awesome. All right. Well, everyone, you can catch our next episode next Thursday on uh, the March 4th, where we will have uh, Chris Welsh from In This League, uh, Fantasy Pros, and a bunch of other baseball podcast publications to discuss prospects to watch. Uh, coming into 2024, uh, you can find Trey on X at uh, Dombrowski underscore Trey, uh, me on X at Jake Mace, Rick on X at Must Be The Hawk, and of course, you can find the podcast with uh, everything that's going on, all the episodes, get all the updates uh, at PL on the farm. Uh, have yourselves a great rest of the week, and uh, we will talk to you soon. Have a great night, everybody. Bye.